Resolute Square. My guest today on the Enemies List is Brian Stelter. Brian is a former CNN host of Reliable Sources. He is one of the smartest media analysts in the country, and he has a terrific new book called Network of Lies, the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump, and the battle for American democracy. We're so happy to have him on the Enemies List today because this is a subject that a lot of our listeners are fascinated by, the role Fox plays in our political climate and our political culture in the, in America. And Brian, there is no one better to talk about this. So thank you, my friend, so much for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm proud to be on the list. <laughs> well, let's start out with this, with, with the big picture question. You covered Fox as a media analyst for a very long time. You understand them, I think, better than almost anybody else out there. Talk to me about the origin story of writing this book because we are in a really interesting inflection point about where Fox is in America and where America has been shaped by Fox. So talk to us about how you decided to do this topic and what the process of doing this book was like. Right. Well, well, thank you. Well, number one, I, I have been blogging and writing about cable news for 20 years, and I feel like I have witnessed Fox News completely transform in that time in a way that CNN has not, in a way that MSNBC has not. Uh, you know, programs come and go, hosts come and go, but Fox as an entity has radicalized in a way that we have to grapple with, we have to reckon with, because it's the same thing that's happening to the GOP as a party. Uh, Fox and, G and the GOP are going through this process together. Fox is making it worse. Fox is making it more intense. Uh, and, and, and frankly, I feel like I wrote my previous book too soon. So I wrote right. this book <laughs> called Hoax in 2020. Yes. It was, uh, it was during COVID. Uh, it was exploring Trump's twisted relationship with Fox and specifically how I made the argument that you know, Fox hurt Trump's presidency. Fox wounded him. They misinformed him, uh, sent him off posting angry, inaccurate tweets and, 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 and actually doomed his, his reelection campaign. So that was in 2020. And I had to rely mostly on anonymous sources, as most of these books do, you know, especially in media, for whatever reason, people are afraid to go on the record. They hide behind anonymity. And so, and that was, that was good. And so I, I had a lot of a, a good material in there, but it was mostly anonymous. And then Dominion happens. Dominion sues Fox over the big lie. And all of those emails and text messages started to come out in the public uh, view. And I felt like I felt like my sources were now on the record. <laughs> all of those anonymous <laughs> quotes were now on the not. record. <laughs> yes, uh, it's incredible. I've never seen it happen to a major media company to, to be exposed like this. So that's why I felt like I had to, to write this new book, uh, in part because and I'm sure you can appreciate this, Rick. Just because something's in the public record doesn't mean it's really public. Doesn't mean it's easy That's to right. find. That's a, right. a lot of the filings in Wilmington, Delaware, um, they were kind of hidden away. Sure. I have this giant two gigabyte PDF on my computer now of like 
10,000 pages of the best emails and texts, but you know, and I had to make it keyword searchable and all that as mm -hmm. kind of the, to make this book happen. Sure. But the point is when the filings hit and there, there's a lot of press coverage in February and March, oh my gosh, Tucker Carlson says he hates Trump. Oh my gosh, you know, this and that. But those were just the the tip of the iceberg. There was so much more underneath. And that's why I thought it was important to, to put it into a book because otherwise, you know, th this stuff will never really see the light of day. So talk a little bit about where Fox is in the 2023 election first. I want to I want to go through some of the nuts and bolts in the book, but I want to I want to talk about, you know, Rupert has now uh, after 4719 years at Fox stepped back from <laughs> the immediate day-to-day hands-on every second of the day management. Talk to us a little bit about how much he's still sort of a ghost in that machine. And about how Lachlan Murdoch and Fox's management is going to uh, operate in the 2024 election as Donald Trump comes back onto center stage and becomes the nominee for a third time. Yeah, this move by Rupert, I, I describe it as semi-retirement, and that's what his aides describe it um, sometimes behind his back as well. It's semi-retirement. He's he's still a presence. He's still a force. And Lachlan's going out of his way to emphasize that. But it is significant that, you know, as of uh, November 17th at uh, Fox Corporation, Lachlan is the sole uh, chairman. He's the sole boss, at least on paper. And if anything, Lachlan is Trumpier than Rupert. We know that Rupert privately detests Trump, even though publicly he's allowed so much of this to go on. I I have a quote in the book from someone saying, from a Murdoch family friend saying, Rupert hates Trump. He can't believe we're going to end up with Trump as the nominee again. Uh, there's also an interesting scene um, involving Trump and Rupert's last phone call in 2020 when uh, when, when, Rupert, when when Trump says, you're 90% good, meaning Fox, you're 90% good. I need you to be 100% good. And Rupert says, you can't have that. Now, that might be Rupert's imagination of, of what he thinks the relationship is, but it's an interesting bit of dialogue that he has claimed happened. And I think with Lachlan, Fox might be 100% good. I mean, you know, th there's there's less interest from Lachlan in, you know, uh, trying to, to stop anti-democratic conduct. Lachlan Murdoch cares about making sure political ad spending at his station stays high. You know, he is he is about keeping the profits flowing above all else. That's something that I think is is an underappreciated thing. It's not that Lachlan is going to come in as this sort of younger generation, more more Gen X inflected leader. I mean, Rupert grew up at least in the tabloid journalism culture seventy years ago or sixty years ago, whatever, and and there was at least some journalism in the tabloid part sometimes here and there, and he monetized That's right. it That's right. brilliantly and he made it. But but Lachlan grew up. Politically, I mean, I, I knew Lachlan slightly back in the in the early 2000s, like very slightly, sort of same circles of some political people and whatnot. But but he's from what all what I'm hearing in the he's like more of a believer in this sort of oppositional defiant disorder journalistic or, or at least media world than than Rupert even was. More of a contrarian, even more of a contrarian who wants to stick it to whoever he thinks is, you know, um, is the establishment, even though, of course, he's the one with the, you know, 50 million, no, much, much more than $50 million mansion in, in Bel Air. You know, he spends a lot of his time in Australia, and I describe him in the book as a kind of absentee landlord, right. or at least somebody who has to hire a property manager to make sure things are okay several time <laughs> zones away. And, yeah. you know, another another way to analogize that is, um, is uh, the famous quote from Succession about the pain sponge. Yes. Uh, they have a pain sponge. That's what Locke and Rupert have. They have a pain sponge. Suzanne Scott, the right. head of Fox News that Media, was my next soaks question. up the pain. She <laughs> 
she she does all of that, you know, that 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 stuff that they don't have to deal with, including, you know, calling up Tucker Carlson and saying, Tucker, your show is canceled. It was Lachlan who decided, he told his father, but then Suzanne, the pain sponge, has to deal with the fallout. And so I think in that way, he's removed, you know, from a lot of this in a way that is maybe not uh, advantageous to the, the general public or the viewers. That, that's something that, I mean, particularly since the, well, since the shuffling off of this mortal coil of Roger Ailes, that. I don't think a lot of people have processed as much. There's there's a sort of shorthand. Oh, Rupert, but Rupert's not in there changing copy in the in the in the teleprompter. But they have built, and Suzanne Scott really leads that internal managerial culture at Fox. Talk to us a little bit about that, like the the types of people, the brain room, all the sort of like the internal. Uh, it reminds me of like Soviet era propagandists. Um, all like everybody has to keep in line and nobody wants to be ratted out as being insufficiently eager for the for the faithful. I think that's exactly what we see through the Dominion document dump. There's this trove of documents. We see examples of producers saying things like this. Uh, one of Hannity's producers saying Two or three weeks after Biden's been projected to be president-elect, one of Hannity's producers saying, our best minutes last week were on the voting irregularities. So our best minute-by-minute ratings, our highest minute-by-minute ratings were about the big lie. Now, I worked at CNN for almost a decade. I never saw minute-by-minute ratings for my program. Uh, I didn't need to. I, I didn't feel so obsessed or panicked about losing the audience. I didn't feel so desperate to study the minute by minutes and see whether you, Rick Wilson, was rating well enough as a guest. Like, like, come on, you know, but it, it, just, it shows how the place was operating, at least in 2020. I think it is still how it operates today based on my sourcing. Uh, the obsession with keeping those viewers hooked, addicted at all costs was so much more intense than I ever experienced at CNN that I've ever heard about at a place like MSNBC. So I think that's a big part of the story that in some ways the viewers are in charge, right? That the, the viewers are the ones that are in charge based on right. their viewership. I, I had a, a Trump White House veteran tell me uh, of Fox. They said they are servants. They simply serve the audience. They're only going to do whatever they think is going to keep that. And I just think that 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 feedback loop is, is a really damaging feedback loop and it's crucial to this story. Um, and then the other part is, is what you said about the brain room. You know, Fox has had historically these researchers, these fact checkers, these people who will vet a script ahead of time, make sure that it's not totally off the rails or, or you know, outside the bounds of reality. Fox has, has I don't want to say dismantled, Fox has, has minimized the brain room. They've laid off some of those staffers in recent years. Uh, they've made move after move after move away from the news side and toward more and more propaganda. Uh, and, and that's why there are fewer and fewer um, respected correspondents at Fox. You know, uh, Trey Yingst has rightly received a lot of credit for his war coverage in Israel. Um, there are uh, uh, DC correspondents who I, I think are, are highly respected. But there was, a, you know, moments in 2020 that show what the company really wants. Uh, there was a, an anchor named Eric Sean who did a fact check of a, of a Trump, uh, of some, some Trump lies in 2020. And then Suzanne Scott, the head of Fox News, emails saying, this is bad for business. This has to stop happening. The fact-checking has to stop happening. And so when, when that comes out, especially when it comes out publicly this year, and it sends a message, right? It sends a message to the, the staff about what the incentives are and what the incentives are not. The big thing that led you to be able to peer into Fox's inner sanctum with more clarity than anybody ever has 
is the, 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 all these documents in the Dominion voting trial. Now, they're facing another massive trial based on the same predicates and the same legal challenge with Smartmatic. Do you think that Fox learned any lessons from from paying nearly a billion dollars to Dominion and and when they will and they will almost certainly have to pay more than that in the Smartmatic case, do you think they learned any lessons or did they just absorb that as a cost of doing business? <laughs> the cost of doing business that's so sad but but real you know to hear out loud. Uh, I, I quote our disinformation researcher in the book saying Fox just had to pay a lying tax. You know it's the cost of lies is they had to pay this tax to Dominion. So there's definitely a, a, a way to to view it that way. Um, Smartmatic, uh, the lawyer uh, J. Eric Connolly, who is working on the depositions, he is pressing forward. He says to me, you know, Smartmatic is a global company that was uh, injured on a global scale. He claims the damages should be even bigger than Dominion's. You know, Dominion wanted 1.6 billion, ended up with almost 100 million, so almost half of what it wanted. Smartmatic wants 2.6 billion. Uh, right now, there's no interest in Smartmatic in settling because they want to get all of these anchors and stars under oath first. You know, they get, as one source said, a second bite of the apple. They get to look at the Dominion depositions and then try to ask other questions and get even more information out of Fox. So from a let's see what happened inside Fox point of view, you know, there's there's even there's even more to come. I think within Fox, there have been some changes around the edges you know, to your question. Has anything changed? Have they have they reassessed? I think one one significant change is that Donald Trump no longer is interviewed live. Um, it sounds almost silly to say out loud, but, you know, they only pre-tape interviews with the former president because they can't trust him uh, to, about what he's going to say on their airwaves. They also, uh, and this was a couple of years ago, they started to say, you can't call in anymore, um, whether it's a pre-tape or live. We're not going to take you on the phone anymore. You know, you're going to be on camera. <laughs> you can't be in your pajamas at Mar-a-Lago. So those those changes, you know, again, I, relatively minor, but they are they are real and I think they are lasting. Um, but beyond that, you know, I what here's what here's what hasn't happened. They have not instituted a standards and practices department <laughs> full of experts and lawyers and and editors. You know, at CNN, there's something called the triad. Uh, it's this multi-part uh, you know review process, uh, especially for sensitive stories. But you know, even for your standard breaking news coverage, uh, there's you know a lot of different editors and, and standards people involved. There's no version of that at Fox. And even after Dominion, there has not been the establishment of that. What are the economics of Fox? A company that can easily shrug off a, a billion dollar lying tax. Um, what are the economics of Fox looking like right now? They're built on the carriage fee, not really on selling advertising anymore. So they're they're sort of a, a almost immune to market pressures from, you know, people say, I don't want to watch, I don't want to buy the products sold on Fox. Okay. They're like, screw yourself. We get paid because we have a certain number of cable households watching us, right? It's a beautiful business model. <laughs> and all of the struggles in streaming right now, you know, the, the headlines about Peacock and, and Disney Plus and all of this tension uh, about the streaming marketplace, right. it's because streaming's not as great a business as the old fashioned cable business. You know, the cable bundle, the word bundle, right? The, getting it all together in one package. It wasn't as perfect for the consumer, but it was perfect for the Murdochs. It was perfect for uh, these media moguls. But because Fox News is still a key part of the bundle, 
because there are, you know, a significant minority number of households that insist on having it no matter what and would cancel cable without it. Right. Uh, Fox still has significant pricing power. Uh, I'll tell you something that hasn't been reported yet. Uh, Fox was out there in the marketplace this year uh, trying to renew its cable contracts with the likes of Comcast. And I, I say in the book they wanted $3 a month for Fox News. We don't know where they actually ended up. It might have been a you know two bucks fifty cents. Uh, might have been somewhere in that range. But they have finished all those contracts, and, and they were able to finish those contracts this year without a blackout, without a public fight. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier this year, Disney went off the air with Spectrum households. You know, oftentimes there's these blackouts, and sure. these big battles. Fox News didn't have to do that. Fox Core didn't have to do that because between news and sports, they do have a lot of power in the marketplace. Now, here's what here's what the challenge is. The average viewer of Fox News, the median age is 69 years old. And, uh, and you know, young people who start households now don't subscribe to cable. They just get Netflix and Disney Plus. So the business is definitely in decline. Everybody knows it. Lachlan Murdoch knows it. But I think he's managing the decline. I, I quote an insider in the book saying he is minimizing headaches by firing Tucker and he's maximizing <laughs> profits and just kind of managing it down for the time being. So you mentioned Tucker. That was my next question. Tell us a little bit about the rise and rise and rise and absolute swift fall of Tucker Carlson inside the Fox universe. You know, that saying fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what I was told when I was like a 21 year old kid at the New York times. that didn't belong there. And the editor <laughs> just said, fake it till you make it. Tucker did a version of that on a much grander scale. He went into Fox. He acted untouchable. He created this impression that he was invincible, this impression that he was unstoppable and, and unfireable. And, and everybody believed it. I mean, I believed it. I, you know, media reporters ate this up, this idea that he was tight with Lachlan Murdoch. And I just want to be clear. Yes, they did have dinners. Yes, they did have a relationship. But they were not friends. They were not bros the way that Tucker and his allies portrayed it. You can see it under oath with Dominion. Both men say they rarely spoke with each other. So I think Tucker went out very wisely because he had been fired from CNN and Mm -hmm. fired from MSNBC. MSNBC. He was like, okay, I've got one more cable news chance, right? And he was stuck on Fox and Friends weekend doing stunts for years away from his family. He was miserable. So when he actually got a show he wanted, a primetime show, he created this sense that that he was irreplaceable. And look, it helped that he was high rated. But I think he was never as untouchable as as people perceived. Mm -hmm. He was always more vulnerable than we thought. Why? Because advertisers didn't want to be anywhere near him, because he was a pain in the ass to management, because he mistreated people internally, you know, calling executives the C word, all that, all that stuff that, you know, any, any one of those items that I list, I have like a list of like 20 items in the book. Any one of those items could get you bounced at any given time. What's remarkable is that the Murdochs put up with them for so long and then, and then finally decide not to. And I, I think, you know, Dominion is a factor in this, not because Dominion, you know, he's out there saying that Dominion forced them to fire him. It's crazy. Right. He, he literally, Tucker literally said on the record, I was fired. Dominion, it was a condition of the Dominion settlement. He has claimed that, and I—he actually claimed that to a to a, a mutual acquaintance of ours. He held the line on it, and and our mutual acquaintance said, "That's not true. You know, that's not true, right? You you, you know, you're not on TV. You can't. You don't have to lie anymore about it. You know, you're not there anymore." <laughs> 
know? <laughs> right. It's like, what? It's really been it's it's been a little it's driven me a little batty because I've walked all the way around this story and tra- tried to talk to every lawyer involved. Like I feel like I was almost in the room for these negotiations. Tucker's name didn't come up. I mean, if anything, Dominion liked Tucker. They wanted him as a witness because they thought they were he was going to help their case. Sure. He, he was out there bashing Sidney Powell. He was mm-hmm. good for Dominion. So anyway, he's out there saying that. Here's the thing about Dominion though that is real. Dominion brought up his demons and they, they put his demons in the face of the Fox board because the Fox board of directors right before the settlement, they, they went through and they were like, what are these text messages from Tucker? These, these ugly text messages. So I do think that was a factor because it, it forced a conversation about his behavior and about his conduct and ultimately led to his cancellation. And now, you know, he's out there in those brave waters of independent media it's it's interesting because Fox News is, as we just said, a declining business. Um, it was better to be Fox News 10 years ago than it is today, even though I would just say they are still a monopoly. They're still incredibly powerful. Oh, God. I, yeah. don't, I don't buy this junk about like it's the death of Fox News. No, no, no. That's liberal wishful thinking. But there are all of these independent challengers, all these Fox wannabes out there, and Tucker's going to be another one of them. So bit by bit, it is an interesting media marketplace on the far right. I mean, and Tucker's pulling off right now, pulling off numbers on on Twitter and on his own streaming idea that, you know, at basically zero cost, at essentially no cost at all. Um, so let's say let's even say he's making, let's say it's costing him a million dollars a year to produce what he's doing. He's still making a very fine living. He's 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 all right. He's not going to miss a mortgage payment, folks. When they fired him, um, tell us about like the TikTok on it. Like the like the moment the day the day Tucker got got the axe from Suzanne Scott and how Fox internally sort of had to you know go to the mattresses and be ready to do the so, sort of the usual sort of Arena Briganti press um, pushback on Tucker because people inside Fox they're afraid of their own their own PR department the, the talent is afraid of the of the Fox PR department and kind of rightly so correct. Uh, I think that is true to some degree. Yes. That, that, um, yes, I think that's true, (laughs) but maybe, you know, more about that than I, (laughs) um, but when Tucker got, when Tucker got fired, they sort of, they they knew this was going to be a kind of a big PR moment for them, a a big sort of, that there would be a a backlash from the right and their, and from a lot of their core audience. Yes. Yes, I think that's true. And there was, uh, and, and it's true that the ratings dropped, the ratings tanked. Uh, the minute this news broke. In fact, I I looked at the spreadsheet for Newsmax. Hour by hour, Newsmax gained that day as Fox suffered. Now, as always, the audience has come back to Fox. Newsmax has receded. It is it is nowhere near a threat to Fox in a real way. But at that moment in April, it was very intense. I, I report that Suzanne Scott called Tucker, uh, told him the show was canceled. There was not going to be a final episode. He was not going to sign off on the air. But she did offer him one thing. She did say, you can put out a statement in the press release. You can say this was mutual. You can you can play this like you wanted to leave. And I report that for a moment, he thought about doing that. Uh, he thought about playing nice, playing along. 
And then he decided absolutely not. No, I was fired and I want the world to know. And I, I think he's been on a revenge tour ever since. But if it, you know, you look at the language in the press release, it, it sounds like they wanted him to play along. Mm-hmm. In fact, on the air that morning, they even said this was mutual when it wasn't. Like someone right, voted the right, wrong right. word into the teleprompter. <laughs> so that shows this happened pretty suddenly. You know, once the order came down from Laughlin, it was sudden. And then Suzanne, the pain sponge Scott had to, to put it into place. They didn't have a replacement show. They didn't know what to do. What they did know was that Tucker's staff was more loyal to him than to the network. And so this wasn't going to last in the long term to have these staffers still at the network. And, you know, I feel like in some ways they were a sabotage squad kind of playing pranks uh, until they were laid off in July. You know, I hate to see people lose their jobs, um, but it was clear that they were not loyal to Fox. They were loyal to Tucker. So, so what were they doing internally? Well, remember that banner that aired on the, the screen one night, like what wannabe dictator, you know, it was referring to Joe oh, Biden. Right. There, there were moments like that where it, where it just felt like uh, they knew that their days were numbered anyway. <laughs> right. Blaze of glory. And of course, ever since Fox has remained silent about why this all happened. You know, you mentioned Irene Briganti, uh, you know, Tucker has accused the PR team there of leaking. I just know that personally, you know, when I was asking questions, they weren't helping me. Uh, so, you know, maybe they helped others. They didn't help me. So Fox has been in a tough spot, spot because they they decided to cancel the show, but they didn't say why. And this has really been a problem for Dominion. So I was talking to Dominion lawyer Davida Brooke, who has been so frustrated by Tucker's conspiracy theory that it was all Dominion's fault. And you know what she said to me? She said, look, Brian, there is one group of people in the world that knows why Tucker was fired. And it's Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch. It's the Murdochs. They know why this happened. They chose to keep it a secret, um, probably for boring legal and contractual reasons. But as a result, there's been all these conspiracy theories that have festered, which kind of feels perfectly on the nose, right? That there's all these conspiracy theories about the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I love it. So, folks, uh, Brian, I'm going to ask you one more question. But, folks, the book is Network of Lies, the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump, and the battle for American democracy. It is an absolutely terrific X-ray into the weird, twisted world of Fox, and I highly recommend it. So, Brian, the big question here that a lot of people um, – when I told some folks I was asking about – I was going to interview you on this. They were saying, like, make sure you find out how you think they'll treat Trump when the election really gets rolling. You've, 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 you've mentioned some of the restrictions they work around on Trump now. Are we going to go back to the to the coverage model Fox had in 16 and 20, which was nonstop Trump 24-7? Do they want that? Are they going to do it that way? I mean, where, where do you see the future coverage? Because honestly, they really have a gigantic role in shaping American politics. And I'm, I'm curious where you think it's going to end up in, in 2024 uh, as, they, as they roll into the inevitability that Trump will be the nominee. I think the tug of war inside Fox is very real. And even though it can feel like only one side ever wins in that tug of war and that it's always the Trump side, it's always the MAGA side, the tug of war is real and and it, it shouldn't be discounted because there are some people at Fox that are capable of shame, that are capable of regret, that look back and say, some of the, the reactions in 2020, some of the ways we panicked about the viewers upset about Biden winning, some of the ways that we responded are, were embarrassing. We don't want that to happen again. So there is some of that that's real. There's also one other X factor, and that is uh, the head of the decision desk, Arnon Mishkin, who made the call in 2020. He'll be back for 2024. So we know that there is a professional who's going to be holding the wheel on election night 2024. Um, and that's that's something. But even if you have real reliable reporters who are 
trying in that tug of war, <laughs> uh, the MAGA propaganda overwhelms everything. And that's, that's the story of 2020 with Fox and the big lie. Fox told the truth, then started getting shouted at, started to whisper the truth, and all the stars of Kennedy started to shout the lie. And I, I, I fear and I suspect that'll be uh, what we see again, that there will be a, a small contingent that tries to point out what's going on, tries to drag Fox toward reality, and a larger, louder audio group of Maria Bartiromo's and Laura Ingram's who, even if they have personal uh, dislike and disregard for Trump the way that Laura Ingram does, uh, you know, she's quoted in the book um, saying that he's always obsessed with a grievance loop all about him, right? She knows, like she knows what she's Trump is. She's not wrong. <laughs> but, but, right, but she, but she will, you know, she, she also knows, um, you know, what she has to do. And so, I, you know, that those louder voices, I think, w- will probably prevail. But, but I will say, um, there was something interesting that happened the other night when President Biden had a, a primetime address about the Middle East. It was during the 8 p.m. hour. And back when Tucker was in control of the 8 p.m. hour, he liked to flaunt that he didn't show the president live. Right. Like Biden right. would give a primetime speech. Tucker would, would, in your face, we are not going to show that to you. Like he was very proud of it. Right. I noticed that when Biden gave his primetime speech about Israel and Gaza, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum were the anchors. You know, it was the news side, what they call it, what they consider the news side. Right. And, and, and they did, they actually showed the speech. And I know that sounds like, oh, well, that's like the least you can do. But yes, it is the least you can do. Right. It's just the <laughs> basics of being a news network, you know? Call but me crazy. <laughs> but it's a change. Yeah. And I'm just watching for those moments of change to see, is Fox going to, is, are they going to let the word news really be in the name or not? You know, I think it's a fascinating question and, and you are the, you are, I am so grateful for you coming on the show today, Brian, because this is an absolutely vital moment and a vital element in how, um, whether our democracy sort of survives and whether the, the Republic survives because Fox has had its thumb on the scale a lot of different times in a lot of different ways. And, um, and, and it's, it's certainly going to be a question that, that we're going to have to look at in 2024. Folks, once again, the book is Network of Lies by Brian Stelter. It is the epic saga of Fox News, Donald Trump, and the battle for American democracy. No labels. Back is a returning guest on the shit list, on the enemies list. No labels is out right now telling a bunch of a new, brand new elaborate lies about what they're doing in this election. And they're telling people, oh, Mitt Romney will join our ticket. You are lying and you know it. Mitt Romney has already put out a statement and yet No Labels is still persisting in lying about Mitt Romney being on the No Labels ticket. Mitt Romney's not going to be on the No Labels ticket. Folks, No Labels is flailing right now. They are in a panic. Suddenly, they've got a primary between Joe Manchin and Larry Hogan. It's the it's like the, the, the Oscar Wilde phrase about fox hunting. It's the unspeakable in pursuit of the inedible. These people are the most mendacious players in American politics today, and I include Donald Trump on that list. Okay, They are truly spectacularly deceptive at every political level. I think I've certainly had enough of their of their garbage. I know a lot of Americans have too. They now are trying, get this, the no labels people who say, that, oh, we're about democracy. We're about more voices in the political process. People are trying to run on the no labels ballot line in Arizona. And no labels are saying, no, 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 you can't. You're not allowed to compete. You're not allowed to run because we want to pick the candidates who run on our ticket. We want to, they don't want primaries. They don't want democracy. They want to hand select people. 
just like their presidential candidate. They're going to secretly select the candidate for president at a secret meeting in Dallas with their donors, not with the voters. It's an astoundingly, astoundingly corrupt and mendacious group. I encourage all of you to hold them to account. And they are, in fact, going to remain pretty much at the top of my enemies list. Thanks again for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the pod. We're growing fast. It really helps if you will share this with your friends, your family, and anyone else who, like us, is trying to save democracy. While you're at it, if you could rate and review the podcast, I would be very much appreciative. I know this is the sort of thing you've heard a billion times. Please rate, review, like, blah, blah, blah. But you need to do it. It really does help us a lot. We are slaves to the algorithm, my friends. And if you do this, it will help get the pod out further. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list.